Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am, as ever, every day, 24 hours, 7 days a week, 362 days a year. Your host, Kareen, joined as ever by Kim. Hello. Ari. What are you doing the other four days? And special guest, Trisha. Yo. Welcome to episode 15 of season 2. Trouble with Tribbles, or as I like to call it, Take Your Pet to Work Day Goes Horribly Wrong. <laughs> We've come to arguably the most famous episode of Original Truck. To be fair, we say that like every ten episodes. Yeah, but this time I actually mean it. I think so. Yeah, it's iconic. The Tribbles, I think, are universally beloved. It's a great... Except if you're a Klingon. Except if you're a Klingon. And Klingons, how do we tell that they're Klingons? <laughs> that happened. Also beards. <laughs> also beards. And eyeshadow? Yeah. As far as we can tell. Shiny pants. Very shiny pants, and apparently they have an elevated bloodlust level or something like I very much see Sometimes attention. they have uncomfortably 1960s oriental mustaches. They also have some really amazing beards. Mm-hmm. Like, let's give it to them. Mm-hmm. They also what like tucked their shirts right into their pants, mm, mm. right in there, and also some very shiny metallic turtlenecks. Like we cannot overemphasize the neckiness of these turtlenecks. No, nor can we emphasize their sparkliness. Klingons ain't afraid to bling. Nope, they're not. No, uh, this episode is also slightly controversial. What? Yes. <laughs> okay, we're gonna turn that off now. Okay. So I think that we can say that this is very much for fans a universally beloved episode, but for people involved with the making of Star Trek, hated it. Really? Yes. So the mid-second season, third season producer, Fredrickson, hated it. Don't we not like him? I have no particularly feeling, any feelings Wasn't for him whatsoever. Wasn't space? Yeah, but yeah, that was like just him. a thing. Um... He hated it. Roddenberry famously came down on set on the day, I believe, where they were filming the part where all the tribbles fall down on Shatner and everyone was having a good time and laughing and flipped his shit. Really? Oh, yeah. Memo from on high. Star Trek is not a fucking comedy, guys. Okay, dear Gene, I appreciate your vision and all you have created, but this episode... Was amazing. This is the first genuinely funny episode of the entire series. Strong disagree. I loved this so much. It was so good. How much of that is residual good feelings from the DS9 episode? Um, no, just watching this, I really just genuinely enjoyed this episode because I had forgotten a lot of stuff from the Deep Space Nine one. Mm -hmm. I actually, like, immediately finished this one and then went and watched most of the Deep Space Nine one. And, like, that one is a lot more serious, Mm -hmm. actually. And they have music cues that weren't in the original episode. And Trouble with Tribbles, genuinely enjoyable, genuinely funny. All right. Uh, Trisha. It was good. She sounds like I usually do. Oh, boy. I didn't want to fall asleep halfway through this one like the other one. So there is that. You do stay awake. It's it's pleasurable. All the 
staff, I guess, all the crew are, they all have their moments to shine. Everyone has something to do. Exactly. Except for Sulu, who was Mr. Not Appearing in this episode due to filming Green Berets. But everyone has a really good comedy beat. Yep. And there are people interacting with each other. So let's say Uhura and Chekhov, Scotty and Chekhov, lots of Chekhov. In this episode, they don't usually get a chance to interact with. Yeah, it was, it was... It was really good. Yeah, and Kirk is a sassy bitch the entire time. I liked Kirk in this <gasps> episode. Oh I mean, considering like two episodes ago, I was like, this is the foundation of why Kirk is terrible. I was like, this is like 300, not 360 degrees, 80, 180 degrees from yes. where he was. Yes. And he's like the most exasperated muffin you've ever met in your life. He looks good in this episode. He just wants to do his job and everyone won't let him. He does not give two credits about wheat, guys. And he can rock a v-neck like nobody else. He can! plunging (laughs) v-neck. Could have been plungier, but we'll take what we're given. Yeah, he does not give two anythings, anythings about wheat. This is a huge waste of his time. Kirk hates wheat! Kirk is gluten intolerant. <laughs> I don't think this is an issue of the show that has yet been explored. I like this theory, Kirk. Kirk is gluten intolerant. Yes, and that's why he just does not care for this wheat. It makes as much sense as anything else. It really does. I think his entire irritation just comes from the guy using the priority one for distress call yeah, incorrectly really and that. making him like rush into battle and have nothing to do. I think it's the incorrect use of office supplies. <laughs> well, it's like a federal crime. Well, Sending personal mail through office channels. There you go. That's exactly it. And then getting the mailman well, to come like, and pick it it's up. It's like pulling a fire alarm when there isn't a fire. But there Except was. space. The wheat. There was no The fire. precious, precious wheat. Well, the wheat! Doesn't anyone care for the wheat? Technically, he was right, because the wheat was poison. Yeah, but at the time he pulled the fire alarm, there was no emergency. There could have been an emergency. To be fair, everything that this guy, uh... I'm Barris. not going to be able to give him a good name. Barris. The administrator. The administrator. Uh, everything that the administrator says is going to happen... Happens. Yeah. Federal Federation Undersecretary for Agriculture, I think. The Klingons are trying to get at my wheat. They do. Yeah. You're not paying close enough attention to the wheat. He wasn't. <laughs> this is going to undermine everything I am trying to accomplish on this planet that we're trying to colonize. It does. <laughs> so, you know what? I stand behind the administrator's decision. He could have just sent, like, a regular communication, though. He didn't need to, like, nope. use the priority one distress call. Objection! Because... <laughs> priority one distress call is for, like, giant earthquakes, the crystalline entity, volcanoes. Objection! Because within one hour of them showing up at the station, the Klingons also show up, so... Legit. And also, there were already agents at work to destroy this precious, precious wheat. That is true. Eh. Mm-hmm. Nope. The administrator is like Cassandra, shouting out prophecies of doom that Kirk has no time for. None! Oh god, this episode just keeps getting better. I love this, cream. It's like a beautiful layer cake. And under each layer is just more cake. So who else thought that Station K7 looked really silly in CG? I'm curious to see what it looked like not CG. Yeah. It didn't look like this. The scale was wildly off, I thought. Um, sure. I mean, as opposed to the, what was the station 
in the movie Yorktown? Uh, Yorktown? Yorktown. Yorktown, which is absurd. Ridiculous. Yeah. That seemed very sensible. Yeah, the station looked like a station that I would expect a station to look like. Why do they always design them with weird arms? Like, there's usually, like, a thing, and then there's arms, and then there's pods growing off of those arms. For 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 ship docking. Yeah, but must we? Yes, we must. That's the whole point of a space station. But why the long arms? To attach to... It's like an umbilical. It attaches to the ship, and then people walk down it into the station. And it's probably safer to have the ship sort of at arm's reach rather than, like, pressed up against you. In case it explodes or Maybe something. Maybe I want it pressed up against me, Kim. That's between you and the starship, crane, And probably Scotty. <sighs> so <laughs> true. So, <laughs> we're at a space staff meeting, which are my favorites of all. Wait, yes, Kim. I started this with, is this a staff meeting or a quiz? <laughs> because they're, like, grilling checkup. They're like, you're also here to learn answer these questions. But we're going to take a stop in the middle to brief everybody on what's going on. It was a weird setup. Chekhov has a very cavalier attitude towards staff meetings, which I feel like should be written up in this performance Where review. he is by yards and, like, millions of years the most junior officer in the room and he's still sassing everyone. Yeah. That was like, especially because I thought it was starting out as like a performance review. I was like, you're being way too sassy for a performance review with your boss. I find Chekhov too sassy by, like, 5%. Really? Yeah, I'm actually, this rewatch, I'm kind of not liking his attitude. <gasps> he's a bit mm. too, I don't know, he's too full of himself, and he's got too much of a, I don't, I don't know, he's, he's, it's like, it's one of those guy things that bug me when they're like, um. Is he too cool for school? They don't take things seriously enough. In you a way Roddenberry should get together and, uh. <laughs> Uh, Trisha, weigh in. Thoughts on Chekhov? Um. He's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, glad we got that cleared up. Also, uh, he got rid of his wig. I think we should all take a moment. Trisha's like Bruce Willis in Fifth Element right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back in and, like, echo every word that you said. <laughs> like, we're Ruby Rod. <laughs> but you're right. I did notice that it was real hair this yeah. time. There was a couple of, like, better. good overhead shots where it's like, I can see his scalp. Yes. Thank goodness. We have missed Chekhov's scalp. Yep. <laughs> so, so much. So, yeah. They're having a space to- staff meeting talking about Sherman's... Sherman's planet. Planet? Mm-hmm. Some guy named Sherman owns it. Yeah. And it was first seen by John Burr at the Royal Academy. Is John Burr someone that the producers of Star Trek owed money to? Like, that doesn't seem necessary. Well, none none of this is necessary, really. Except to tell us what Sherman's planet is and what is the deal with the Federation and the Klingons. It's it's the setup. Yeah, which is that they have an equal claim to this planet, and by the terms of some agreement... Arganian Peace Treaty. Arganian Peace Treaty. Who, because I was looking stuff up about Tribbles and Klingons, etc., uh, are the, you remember the first episode where we saw the Klingons on the planet of the people who didn't care because they were like, um, like super beings? Ugh. Those are the Organians. Oh, Shut God. up! And they've made, apparently, Starfleet and the Klingons negotiate a treaty at this point, and that's the treaty that they keep referring to, the Organian Treaty. And apparently it comes up a couple more times in the canon. I only know this because I was on Memory Alpha last night. I am so furious that that episode had long-term consequences. I hate those people. It was a terrible episode, and we all hated it for different Glowing reasons. space jerks. But essentially, the treaty spells out that whoever can terraform the planet the best, which I would love to see an evaluation metric for this. I don't think they say this. terraform, they say develop, which is very hazy. 
whatever terraforming I think developing. They just put a strip of tape down the middle of the planet and the mm-hmm. Klingons are on one side and the Federation's on the other and whoever I'm does just... their side better wins. How do you measure better? I don't know. Glowy space reasons. Mm-hmm. Who the hell knows? Seems to have a lot to do with wheat. Well, apparently they can't grow anything else there. It sounds like a really bad planet. Like, why do they want it Why again? do we want it? Yeah, that it's was probably strategically important. It's probably right on the important border of something or near, like, some sort of fancy nebula. Good enough for me. Mm-hmm. So they get a distress priority one, a priority one big deal from space station K seven, which would have been better for K nine. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to red alert, which I've noticed is different every single time. You only use a priority one if it's near or total disaster. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Kirk went in there expecting like the Klingons to be like actively firing on the yes. station. Well. They were, but no. more symbolically. They were in no way. Bioterrorism. It was bioterrorism. It's there not we go. quite the same thing as an all-out attack. My question for this is, so they send out this giant alert. No one bothers to call back and say, hey, can you give us a few more details before we, like, come upon your station? Yeah, or, like, send a phone call, like a picture of message with the priority one. Yep. Yep. Well, I think the whole point of priority one is that you hit a button and then, like, if you're shot by an invader, the signal's still going out. Yeah, but, okay, you get it. Wouldn't you call back say, hey, like, what's the deal? Should I have photon torpedoes at the ready? Just saying. It kind of seemed like they were, like, just around the like, corner. Procedure-wise, it could use some work. The only thing that is a note here is that Kirk is wearing his green shirt with his plunging neckline. And so his, you can see all of his abs. And his sideways insignia belt. Yes. I don't understand that sideways insignia belt. Like, why is it sideways? Why can't you just prop it up and down? Maybe it's slimming. It's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shatner, but that is not a slimming top. So all the population of the world turns out not to matter because oh. there is no emergency. And it is, how do they say it? Absolutely peaceful. Uh, Kirk sends a very angry voicemail to them, which ends with Kirk out, which I would like for my ringtone. Kirk out. Kirk out. <laughs> he is awfully grumpy. So they beam down to the planet in a huff. Oh, yeah. He's huff. pissed. At which point the space station essentially can only be described as purple, purple, purple. Really? Was it purple? Oh. Sometimes Kim. it was pink. Kim. It was purple. <laughs> The first scene that we see is just, like, purple everywhere. I didn't really notice the purple. Really? I was too busy paying attention to the station commander's bright orange jumpsuit. That's fair. There's a lot of jumpsuit action. I feel like these are recycled from Horta. Probably. Yeah. But there is this grotesque, I don't know what to call it, wall art? Dysfunctional mirror? It kind of looks like dragon scales that's on the wall, and then it's lit by purple. I never noticed the background decoration stuff. They did an amazing job because everything about this looks like 1960s swing party chic. Like you, you expect to see a key bowl somewhere. There was. I looked. You on one of the weird bowl. ass tables, there was a giant bowl. And I was like, uh-huh. Being that I don't think we see a single woman on the stage. Yes, we do. We the do waitresses. Oh, Actually, there are tons of people in the background. We're going to talk about those waitresses. Oh, yes, we are. But yeah, Ari's right. There's also lots of people wandering around on the station. Fine. Then we can assume that their key parties are open to all. So yeah, it's Mr. Administrator, boss of Wheat. He's actually in charge of the station. And then there's, because Kirk storms into his office and he says, okay, look, 
I swear to God, I did not send the distress dress call. It was this bureaucratic jackass guy. Yeah, the administrator. Yeah, so there's a station commander in the orange jumpsuit. The administrator who sent the call. The undersecretary for yeah. agricultural affairs. Is the, that, was it the old guy that looks like a really old Benedict Cumberbatch? Yes, that's the administrator of That is the person you said looks like him. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. And this devolves into a scene from Jacob Tutu and the Hooded Fang, because Kirk says something, Benedict Cumberbatch says something, which Kirk <laughs> repeats, and this goes on for five minutes, him getting increasingly enraged, which oh, was yeah. very hot. It wasn't hot, but it was amusing to watch Kirk, like, flipping out to the point where he's, like, repeating himself rapidly he's in agitation. He did. It's wheat? Wheat? What? What? Tell what, me. What? What, what is happening? What, what is happening? What? 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 <laughs> It's not just wheat, though. It's... And I'm going to let someone else get this. Quadratriticale. Okay. Is that a a real thing? No. No. No, Although they do actually have some pretty good fake science. It's it's a four-lobed hybrid of wheat and rye. That's from Canada? Yes. What do you send from Canada? Which makes perfect sense. (laughs) It's the only grain that will glow on this this godforsaken planet that we're colonizing for... Strategic reasons. Yeah. Uh, But you forgot the... There's one other person in the room, and that is the administrator's aide. Oh, yeah. Quite handsome. Yeah! Uh Looking pretty smooth. I really enjoyed that the administrator and the (laughs) aide were both wearing, like, business suits. Like, futuristic business suits. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time I feel like we've seen, like... Casual Yeah, cat, like... No, like, business business dress. Outside of the negotiator who tried to take over the ship. Oh, that's right. He did have some futuristic business wear. But this was more businessy business wear, mm-hmm. like he not flamboyant. P- bureaucratic. Yeah, yeah. He looked, you know, businessy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, the undersecretary is Mr. Barris and his assistant is named Darwin, Mr. Darwin. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. No he skulks. Here. Uh, and so... Darwin is also in the Deep Space Nine episode. And oh, really? It's the same actor, yep. which I did not realize. Has well, he aged well? Well, there's no, two versions of him in the DS9 episode. Oh, there's old him and young him? Yeah, old him was like old, old him. Yeah. yeah. Old. But yeah, but that's one of the reasons I was on Memory Alpha. I was looking it up if it was the same actor, and it was. Yeah, so Kirk essentially has no time for anything and then immediately just goes to the bar. <laughs> yeah, I love that. He was so pissed off. He's like, I need a drink. Yes. They go to the space bar, which is everything that you would assume a space bar is. It's almost exactly the same space bar as from the Law and Order episode. Yeah, I think it's. It the does same. have some amazing diamond doors, though, which I really, really like as a feature. Also, the waitresses have fairy wings. Yes. Okay, we're gonna stop and talk about this. Well, wait, before we even stop and talk about that, you skipped a bunch of stuff. Not but, important. Well, no, Varys no, demands guards. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And Kirk authorizes two guards, mm-hmm. two, and. He says decides to give the crew shore leave, and that is important to note. Shore leave. Fine, shore leave. Waitresses have wings, like, on their clothes. Like, actual... So they're wearing some kind of bouffant mini skirt. Overall thing. Which is also, like, a romper. Yeah. yeah. God damn it, it's a romper. It's a fucking romper, you're right. Son of a bitch. And they're, like, pin... They're, like, candy... Like, they're, like, candy stripers. Yeah. They're, like, the wide... That, speaking of plunging V necklines, mm-hmm. did they all have the fairy wings? Yes. Yeah, and they and the one that we see, she's wearing pink, was it pink and purple? Yeah. Um, and she's got this really, she was wearing a wig, and it was like big and dark, and I had this really thick braid that went over the shoulder. And in the Deep Space Nine episode, 
they bring that character. Like, there's a, a oh. an actress dressed in that outfit with the hair with the braid over the shoulder. Neat. She actually gets lines in the Deep Space oh, Nine. Nice. She talks to people and imparts information. <laughs> in this, they mostly just are around to serve drinks. There's also a comedic barkeep who is wearing mm. what we can describe as a pink patent leather biker jacket with various rainbow stripings on the front. He kind of looks like like the old decrepit version of Wesley Crusher when like, oh. things didn't go exactly to plan and he didn't fulfill his potential and ended up as a barkeep on a shitty space station. Yeah. God. <laughs> you are welcome. I like the barkeeper. I feel he like... He's having a really bad day. He kind of goes through it. So Ahura shows up at the bar immediately because she wants to shop. And the best place to do shopping is at the bar. I think we can all agree. <laughs> all the best deals. My favorite part of this is that Chekhov is with Ahura. And he says she wanted to go shopping. And I'm helping. <laughs> <laughs> what help could he possibly... It's just like such like a five-year-old thing. Like, I'm going to go with my mom. I'm going to help. Yeah, <laughs> you I'll gonna carry do, the bags. You were going to get in the way and make her buy you gum. So that true. is exactly what's going to happen. So she cozies up to the bar where there is suspicious coat man. Cyrano Jones. Yes, but we don't find out his name until like two-thirds of the way through the episode. It's because it's not important because... Well, the he has a suspicious coat. He does. The barkeeper does address him derisively as Jones when he sidles up to the bar to try and sell him shit he doesn't need. In my head, this character was Harry Mudd. I believe he was supposed to be. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I remember it being like Harry Mudd's in this episode, and I was really surprised when it wasn't him. Pleasantly? Oh, extremely pleasantly, because like this guy was kind of like a swindler type character, yeah. but I liked him a lot better than I like Harry Mudd. We need to talk about his jacket, which is, like, camo light. Yeah. Uh, It also detaches in really weird ways with Velcro. Millions of giant pockets. It was like a... That detach. It was like a Tilly jacket. Have you seen them? Nope. They're full of pockets and secret pockets all over the place. My grandfather had a Tilly vest once. I mean, it was just like... It looked like a regular vest for, like, a grown adult man. The thing had, like, 57 pockets on it. How could you possibly need that many pockets? I don't know. His wares. (sighs) Yes. Yeah, but his his jacket... Usually, like, you would tear away a jacket at... I mean, like, you could take off your sleeves, maybe make it into a vest. It tears horizontally... So he can, like, I guess, flash people or pull pouches off. It's like one of those guys in the park who's like, you want to buy a watch? It's exactly that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's what it was supposed yeah. to be. And what he has is not a penis, but tribbles. Yes. He's also trying to sell the bartender gems and perfume, and the bartender is not interested. No. Has no time for that. But he does have tribbles. They have no teeth. And... No function, as far as I can tell. Except to be soft and adorable. They're so cute and fuzzy. Do they poop? I don't know. I don't think we ever saw them. I think pretty much all of the energy that goes in goes into um, reproduction. 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 Unless they poop baby tribbles. Ah. So they convert food entirely into babies. Well, they do say at one point that 50% of their metabolism is put into reproduction. Huh. Good solve. So Kirk essentially gets chewed out by an admiral who's like, this weed is the most special weed of all the weaved 
We must protect the wheat with our lives. I love this. Like, everything Kirk does is like, I mean, he's right in all of this, but he's also mm-hmm. like, he's wrong. Everybody's <laughs> telling you you're wrong. And he's just like so exasperated by how everybody cares about the stupid fucking wheat. <laughs> and I hear it like he gets the reason. He's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, fuck the wheat. <laughs> The guy actually says, Admiral Fitzpatrick, it's like, the safety of the grain is your responsibility. (laughs) Which Kirk goes, eh. (laughs) Which is a mistake because the Klingon battlecruiser shows up immediately. So Barris demands that Kirk set millions of guards. Why the fuck doesn't the station have its own security? If it is a trading port over an incredibly strategically important planet and is regularly taking sensitive shipments. You and I and I and you and you all know Star Trek security is a joke. Mm -hmm. A joke. In this case, apparently the point of not even being present. No, I mean, I guess that it's a remote space station, so everyone's busy doing their space station-y things. And that there might be officials who have the ability to, like, shoot people if they need to. But it feels like they cater to both Klingons and the Federation. Because when the Klingons show up, and lo they do, to be like, hey, we would like to party and drink here and carouse with your women, the guy's like, well, it's legit. Well, I mean, the thing, though, is about the security, I always got a point, because, like... At one point, Kirk is like, I'm sending down one security officer for every Klingon that's on that ship. And then when the bar fight breaks out, there's no security in that room watching the Klingons. No. They're all bar fighting off somewhere else. Well, no one is allowed to fight on this fate station, Kim, so they don't. Oh, yeah. So they don't. So, of course, as soon as Kirk gets off the phone with the Admiral saying, there's no problems here, a problem presents itself in the way of a Klingon <laughs> battlecruiser. Done by Captain Klingon, the Klingoniest Klingon, played by Tremaine. Tremaine. Whatever. That is... What's this captain's name? Do we remember? I don't remember. Klaxon, Koloff. This... Kol, is it Koloff? Because this is, a, this is um, an, an actor that comes back for Deep Space Nine. Oh, really? And he, re- he reprises his character on Deep Space Nine. He's one of the um, old Klingons that Jadzia hangs out him. with. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I like I said, because I was watching Trouble with Tribbles and, like, Jadzia at this point is like, oh, I wish I could go and hang out and say hi to him and see what he was like when he was younger. And Cute. But yeah, I was looking up all this stuff and something I learned, apparently Klingons can live to like 150 years old. Yeah. I would imagine they don't often. Well, yeah, but they can. So it explains why Jadzia knows so many goddamn old Klingons. <laughs> yeah. The only ones left alive. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Captain Klingon shows up and is like, we won't you know, shore leave too. Yeah, he's just sort of draped over a chair in Administrator Lurie's office. He says something about we would also like non-essentials and then he does a really weird... He flirts with Kirk. ...woman gesture with his hands, like an hourglass. He's looking for prostitutes. He is looking for prostitutes and not afraid to share that with everyone. I need some women. He says essentially, like, on our ship we do not have non-essentials, meaning women, because women are useless, as we all know. Uh, Which is hilarious. So I need hilariously to s- at odds with later Klingon ships. Yeah, I need to stick something in some port. So these are the crappy <laughs> Klingons in more ways than one. So only 12 at a time can visit the prostitutes in one go. And Kirk reluctantly does have to agree with this. Because of the Organian Treaty, which is the yes. one negotiated by omnipot- omniscient jerks. Omnipotent jerks. Ascended yeah. jerks. Yep. Too true. 
So we do a lot of kind of toing and froing between the ship, which is slowly being taken over by Tribbles, and downtown where everything is swarming with Klingons. I actually like that scene because Uhura is just, you know, getting to do like off-duty things, which we hardly ever get to see her do when she's not being kidnapped. She spends or a lot of time in the mess hall. Yeah. And uh, okay, I will have to say this scene to me was I wrote down amazingly funny. Because uh, um, Spock is holding a Tribble, and he's, like, very methodically and, like, stroking it. And he's like, I can understand how the so- the soothing, or the purring would be soothing to humans, but obviously I'm immune to it. While he's, like, tranquilly, like, in a daze petting this thing, and everybody turns around to look at him, like, are you kidding me? I, like, legitimately laughed out loud. This My was, God. Like, I laughed out loud like three or four times in this episode. It was so good. So the sound of the tribbles is a combo of like the coo of a dove and the screech of a barn owl. <laughs> Wait, like that was the noises they used? Yeah. Oh, really? Sense. Oh. Yeah. The tribbles were, they made about 500 of them. I They're made of like the ends of the I'm surprised it's that small a number. <laughs> the person who made them was paid $350. Oh my God. <laughs> and they quickly went missing from set. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody grabbed a bunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they show up in auctions all the time. And my one of my good friends has one from the set. Oh, really? That she took with to get a picture with Lauren Nimoy. It's cute. So here's where I started. Here's where I started tracking scenes that had direct crossovers with the DS9 episode. Oh. Um, and one of them, the first one I noticed was when. Barris basically calls, and basically what I wrote was, Mr. Barris calls, wine, wine, Klingons, wine, wine. Keep the grain secret, keep the grain safe. And Kirk starts throwing out his really good sassy lines, because uh, Barris is like, there's Klingons swarming the station, and Kirk says, I was not aware that 12 Klingons constituted a swarm. He has... He's on point this episode. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I noted and logged yeah, I don't what care. you want. <laughs> We get and a, out! We get a scene in Sick Bay where Bones is like, yeah, so they're basically breeding constantly if you feed them at all. Kirk has a headache, so he goes for space Tylenol. Yep. A legit headache. McCoy has a giant lizard on the wall of Sick Bay. I know. He's always got something interesting on the wall of the Sick Bay. It's like rotating his like crazy ass animal collection. He's only allowed to have one thing on the wall at a time. That's fair because it's very spooky. It is a very large lizard. Hmm. Very, 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 very large. Uh, Scotty apparently has to be told to go on shore leave because he loves reading periodicals so much. Well, that's what we saw him doing in the lounge. He was in his, he was at his time off and he was reading things that he was interested in. Kirk cannot have that. Everyone has to do prostitutes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I was completely there with Scotty. He's like, I just want to stay in and read. I understand that too. Stay home club. What... It actually sounded like is that Scotty was a recovering alcoholic who needed to remove himself from the temptation of shore leave and the bar down on there. Well, indeed, I assume because of the lack of prostitutes, all everyone does on this shore leave is get extremely aggressively drunk in the bar on station. Also, Scotty always just had like a recent traumatic incident on shore leave where he was, you know, (laughs) accused of murder. Maybe he should get a pass from shore leave for a while. He He should just leave him alone to read need some time to recuperate mm-hmm. so of course we go down to the bar our crew strolls in uh tribbles do not like klingons this will become a plot point mm-hmm. because he's trying to sell more more tribbles and a klingon wanders up and the klingon and the tribble makes that awful sound this, oh so that's cyrano jones is yeah trying to yeah sell tribbles okay i really enjoy every of this because the klingon starts throwing shade and then it turns into a ballroom blitz <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
first the Klingon is like, oh gosh. The insults that he gives to Kirk, he's a swaggering, tin-plated dictator with delusions of godhood. I'm like, accurate! Yeah. Yeah. Accurate! Absolutely! That's not an insult. That's who he is! Yeah. Yeah. No one can deny he doesn't swagger. The Klingon picks the most senior officer in the bar, which is Scotty sitting at a table with Chekhov. And And some guy with purple hair. Very purple. It's like terrible dye job. His hair is red. No. Red. No. Yes. No. Dye job. It was purple. (laughs) He's trying to pick a fight and he's trying to, and Chekhov is trying to go for it and Scotty's like, no, 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 we're bigger than this. I love this part. So first he insults humans in general, which Scotty's like, no, no, it's fine. Then he insults Kirk. This long and poetical insult. It's not an insult, it's just the truth. And that's fine. Don't worry about it. We're bigger than this. And that was what wound up Chekhov with insulting Kirk. Yeah. And he said, No, no, sit down, lad. And then. And then. (laughs) And then he calls the Enterprise a garbage scout. (laughs) This is my favorite line from the whole thing, and I I actually remembered it and found myself repeating it along with the show. There are so many great things about this. I didn't mean to say the Enterprise should be hauling garbage. I meant to say it should be hauled away. As garbage. It's the inflection of as garbage. That, oh, I love it. It's such Scotty a good delivery. calmly stands up and he says, don't you think you want to rephrase that? And then he says the as garbage. Yeah. And then and everybody was kung fu fighting. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Scotty punches him in the face and then there's a bar brawl. And that, this is my first question is like, isn't there supposed to be security like actively watching what the Klingons are doing? Apparently Why isn't the so bar yeah. swarming with security? Now, it has just now occurred to me that possibly Captain, whatever the hell his name, Trillane, started this fight to draw security away from the grain? No. No, that was, his, that the, wasn't the person starting the fight the second officer, not the Yeah, not he, the just, yeah. he just hates them. Yeah. He's just a straight up hater. So this was like, honestly, the equivalent of like Spock walking into a Klingon bar and being all like, y'all suck. Essentially. And you have Klingons, no honor. Among yeah. Klingons, this is shore leave. <laughs> This is not a disciplinary breach. This is just what you do when you're relaxing. There. Yeah. So, brawl. Brawlity brawl, brawl, fight, fight, mm, fight. Such, such Kirk Fu being thrown down. Uh, and then Cyrano Jones calmly goes behind the bar, gets himself a drink, mm-hmm. and this then wa- weaves sequence. his way through the fight, holding the drink aloft so as not to spill. I, le- I enjoyed that. Like, it was kind of stupid, but I enjoyed it. It was I very liked, vaudevillian. I liked it, yeah. that basically this entire fight was the Klingons and the Enterprise crew, and you, there's this ring of civilians and bar staff sort of standing at the walls around the perimeter of the room going, oh, God, not again. <laughs> My favorite part about that is that everyone gets held back into the ship. They have to stand in a line while their dad gets really angry at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is another DS9 crossover scene because in the DS9 episode, O'Brien and Bashir are involved in the bar fight and yes. get dragged back to the Enterprise to stand in this lineup, except they're like, the characters that they replace are like unnamed actors who are just sort of just out of focus. Yeah. Um, actually, one thing that I did notice here because I watched the Deep Space Nine one right after this is the Deep Space Nine one here puts like dramatic, serious fight music. Oh. And the... That, or the original series version is like kind of light comedic music. Oh yeah, and like the tone of the deck of the original series music was much better than the Deep Space Nine one. It's a funny fight. It was a hilarious. Yeah. I surprised someone didn't get like a, a glass smashed over their head or like a piano where like went through the piano. But there was lots of like pooh oh flying back over a table. Yes, lots of hoo, hoo. yeah. It was a good fight. It was an excellent fight. 
Uh, my favorite part about this is everyone dressed down. Kirk's like, who started this? After he's thrown everybody else out. Everyone, like, takes one for the team and says, we just don't know. When, of course, it was Scotty. And then Kirk is like, Scotty. And, of course, Scotty kind of cops to it. Um, and he kind of explains the situation. And Kirk is gutted that I'm like, <laughs> like, gutted when they're like, oh, yeah, first they insulted you and they called you a tin-plated swaggering dictator with delusions of godhood. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you defended my honor. And like, fuck no. That was all the truth. <laughs> Yeah, I'm love- interpreting a little bit, but yeah. this was this scene again was legitimately funny. Especially since he then is like, fine, fine, and confines Scott to quarters, and Scott says thank you because all he really wanted to do was stay at home and read his technical journal. It's like when your parents uh, grounded you to your room, and you're like, fantastic! I will be in there reading a book if you need me. Uh, send up some food later. Yeah, <laughs> splendid. Yep. <sighs> it is a great episode. There's lots of like. Spock and McCoy, Kirk yes. and McCoy, Kirk accidentally sits on a triple with his butt. There's also, they do a bunch of, like, where they show, like, the progression of the triple infestation because we have the bridge when there's only a few triples and then we come back and there's more triples. And mm-hmm. they do the lounge three times with successively larger amounts of triples. Sick Bay is the next scene here, which is basically Bones and Spock in Sick Bay. And there's, like, a million triples just covering every surface. And Spock gets all poetical again. He says, they remind him of the lilies of the field. Really? (laughs) I really like this part because at the end of this scene, McCoy says that he likes Tribbles more than Spock. Yeah. And Spock is like, well, I like that they don't talk. There's also a great, when they go onto the bridge and they've got them lined on the consoles. You remember like trolls and people used to line up trolls in in their dashboards? Yeah. It's exactly like there. Um, I also really like this bit when they're on the bridge because when Ahura's talking, she's got like her pet one in her arms, but she's also got one down, like peeking out over the top of her shirt. There's three or four other people on the bridge who are like absently struggling. They look stoned. Yeah. Like, just out of their brain, like, happy, happy, happy. <laughs> also, Kirk is very angry. Kirk is angry because they're eating everything. Yeah. And she's like, what do they give? And they give love. And Aurora says, Tribbles are the only love that money can buy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to the prostitution theme. Who knew? Who knew? So I think this is thinks this is the funniest thing that's ever happened because he strolls on at the bridge and Kirk is sitting there fuming with a lap full of tribbles that he's confiscated from the people who are supposed to be working. And Bones is like, don't look at me, it's the tribbles that are breeding. So uh Mr. Administrator Benedict Cumberback is flipping his pants because he's like, Cyrano Jones is a Klingon agent. Evidence? None. None. Uh reasons for saying this? None. He's oh, irritating he, him. Oh, oh, and he was in the Klingon sphere of influence recently. It's very Who McCarthy-ish. wasn't? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk decides to brush this off until he goes for his chicken sandwich and coffee and instead gets Tribble with a light gravy of Tribble with a giant steaming cup of Tribble and decides, fuck it, someone needs to pay and decides that that person is Cyrano Jones. Oh, Kirk? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. This is when Scotty's like, well, they've gotten into the machinery now. And then Kirk has a terrible moment <laughs> where the expression that flits across his face is, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> because if they can get into the machinery, they can get to the wheat. Yeah. They're and in the air vents. They're in the air vents. He immediately beams down and verges into the office. 
and says, come with me, we have a dramatic denouement to attend. <laughs> and they run into the storage compartments and... Lo and behold, one of my favorite scenes, and I think one of everyone's oh, favorite yeah. scenes. It is genuinely funny. Shatner's expression is priceless. Yeah. He opens up one of the air vents and it just trembles for days. They fall on his head. He's yeah. Like, like, it, it gets, they, like, they're all falling down and then it cuts away like it's going to commercial. And when you come back, you just see a pile of tribbles. And then Kirk slowly yes. stands up and he's like buried up to his shoulders. I just have this beautiful it's mental perfect. image of some poor PA just slowly stacking up tribbles <laughs> around William Shatner while he like impatiently taps at his watch. <laughs> uh, there's also one that goes down his shirt. Lucky trouble. Uh, there's also ones being banged at his head. They're just yes. falling on his head one after another. Which I loved the way DS9 did this because <laughs> in the crossover episode, it's it's Dax and Cisco and Cisco who are up in the compartment, like scanning each tribble because there's a bomb in a tribble. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, and just sort of throwing them over their shoulders. So and they're like. Yeah. Falling, so, like, they're up there scanning yeah. these and just hucking them, and they're falling out, and these are the ones that are just, like, coming down and plonking Kirk on the head. <laughs> I loved it so much. That's nicely done. So, some of these tribbles are dead! Bum, bum, bum! A lot of them are dead. Most of them are dead, and the ones who aren't dead are definitely dying. Lo and behold, the weed has been poisoned, because of course it has. Yep. yep. It's the enemy within. Gluten. Yep. And they decide to have uh, Benedict Cumberbatch flips out, and he's like, Kirk, this is all your fault. Legitimately, it is. Uh, you didn't listen to me? He did not. Nope. Uh, this weed this is, is very important. Yeah. 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 Okay. Administrator. Who is very, very angry. But Kirk is like, you know what? Wait a minute. Narratively, nothing is ever my fault, because I'm the goddamn captain of this heroic ship. Mm-hmm. He's like, hmm, the grape was poisoned, and it was probably you, handsome guy. Well, no, because okay. the, the Klingons storm in at this point, and they're like, there's too many Tribbles on this station, and we see the Tribbles freaking out again. Yeah, and then they're they... also threatening legal action, which is not very yes. Klingon. And then the assistant guy comes in. And oh, the Tribbles freak out. Nah. And then there's a whole hmm. bit where he walks around the room with a Tribble in his hand like a lie detector, holding it up to people. Likes Vulcans. Likes humans. Doesn't like you, Mr. Darling. Has a moment. It is a beautiful it's moment. It's a good Because mm-hmm. he knows he's right. Yep. And then they get him to confess to being a Klingon yes. spot by just thrusting a Tribble in his face. Like, oh, no more Tribble! <laughs> Fuzzy, miserable things, he says. <laughs> I love the way that Worf explains the Tribbles later on. It is one of the funniest things. Yeah. We'll have to wait for it. Mm. So it is established that it was all that guy's fault, he's not a, Kirk's. He's a Klingon, undercover Klingon agent. He's been all surgically altered to look like a human. By removing his beard? Yeah, this, <laughs> this makes more sense later on. He just sure. made him shave. So they go back to the bar where they're like, Cyrano, you must pay for your crimes, which is apparently transporting bad animals. Dangerous animals. Dangerous. Animals that have been proven harmful to human life. They're not that harmful. Well, it turns out they destroy entire ecosystems by breeding out of control and then making the entire system collapse. Yeah. That's why the Klingons hate them. Fine. Yeah. But I like that his punishment is just you have to stay here and collect tribbles for the rest of your life. What would you do with them? Well, like- I mean, eventually they'll die. I don't know. Will they? Or do they live forever? They should just abandon the station for two years and let them eat everything that they can find and then die out. Would they eat each other? (gasps) Ooh, I 
don't know. Our children oh, got dark cannibals. real fast. Yeah, it could be a self-perpetuating system. Oh, it really could. They're born pregnant, so they could just eat some of their young, perpetuate the cycle. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting. Well, that yeah. was horrible. You're welcome. Yeah. I've read Watership Down. I know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he has to stay on the base and take care of the turtles. We're back to the ship. All the ship, beautiful, clean ship. Free. No tribbles. No tribbles. This is where we know that there is no janitorial staff on the Enterprise because I think everyone had to work at it. But many hands make light work. Yep. And so Kirk's like, oh, well, what, what did you do with them? Did you space them? Because that would be awesome. Like, if you no, straight up horrified. killed them. No, he's, no. he's upset about the idea of space. He's like, them. what did you do with the Tribbles? And they're all being very evasive. And he's like, you didn't space them, did you? Which they should have. <laughs> and instead no, we no. learn that they transported them to the Klingons. Oh, 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 no, no, no. You're missing the best part. Okay. Scotty says, there'll be no Tribble at all. <laughs> he makes a Tribble pun. It was amazing. And yet, you're right. Then they all stand around the captain's chair laughing. And may I just say this, for the first time yes. in, what do I call them, quippy endings. The quip outs. The quip outs. They earned it. And <gasps> it was good. And I, I laughed. Shit. This was the first time they have earned that laughter around the captain's chair at the end of the episode. This was, is a historic episode. It was amazing. For many, many reasons. My God. Okay, uh, lesson learned, Kim. Um, respect laws about transporting foreign, <laughs> foreign animals across international borders. Okay, lesson learned, Ari. You're not going to believe it, but that was mine too. Remember the what was that 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 Australian animal was it the bull some kind of cane bullfrog frog. the cane frog remember the cane frog that's mine There's okay a whole Simpsons episode about yeah. that true true Trisha life lesson uh, gluten intolerance is no one's friend <laughs> very true and it's a very serious issue I think mine would be never trust anything if you don't know where it poops <laughs> or, or if it how can. or how if when, if, where, if, when, where, how, what, all the all the W's and one of the H's. That sounds like something Arthur Weasley would scream, like, never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. <laughs> or its butt. Or its butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or its head. Mm-hmm. Or its sex organs. Mm-hmm. I think it asexually reproduces. They were, bi- uh, they were... They described it as bisexual, bisexual? but that's just a terminology what is... mismatch. What? <laughs> it makes yeah. no sense. I'm... Anyhow, yeah. nonsensical. Performance of the episode, Kim... Brace yourself, Kareem. Yes! Shatner. Yes! He was, his exasperated Kirk is my favorite Kirk. That is fair. Ari? I think we're all going to say Shatner. Of course I am going to say Shatner. You always say Shatner. I always say Shatner. Shatner. Yeah, obviously. Oh he my kills God. it. This is like a momentous episode for so many reasons. <laughs> and I don't think there were any deaths either. All Unless the tribbles. Unless you can't tribbles. All those tribbles Millions died. Millions of tribbles died. And yeah, bring us more. this information. Yeah. But, I mean, they weren't humans, so I think it's okay. You usually only count, like, sentient Yes, I don't you do know that, tribbles. yes, that it was hilarious they sent the Tribbles to the Klingons, but then they got spaced for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm Probably. okay with that. The they are essentially like space rats. The Klingons stabbed each and every one of those okay. Tribbles to death. I'm and then they assuming. wrote an opera about it. There's they like, like that. The thing you find out in the uh, Deep Space Nine episode is, like, Klingons exterminated Tribbles from the galaxy. They wow. went on, like, a massive... Like the Great Tribble Hunt. Yeah, the Great Tribble Hunt. Like as an entire civilization and culture, as one thing they did was set out and eliminated Tribbles from the galaxy. Like that's determination. They really don't like Tribbles. No. no. Well, they're not wrong. <laughs> 
they are an ecological scourge. Yeah. But the, uh, the, one of the things we didn't actually talk about was that somebody mentions that, like, where the world that Tribbles come from. Yeah. Full of Tribble predators. Yeah. To control, like, that uh, manages their breeding so they're not out of, in their own ecosystem. They're fine because there's a lot of predators that eat them. I think Just like another in, invasive species. They would be good to feed to snakes. Probably. Space snakes. Space snakes. Mm-hmm. Or space coyotes. Mm-hmm. Space owls. Yeah. I, as a as a substitute for mice. I yeah. think space they would... big cats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Space lions yeah. or anything like that. They're uh, actually... Actually, you know what they should do is they should harvest them for their meat. Do they have meat or are they we just don't fur? actually know if they have any meat? I think they should investigate because it's an endlessly renewable resource. Why didn't anyone shave a tribble in this episode? Well, Bones probably did just that on the screen. Would look disgusting because essentially it would be a, a fleshy flesh ball. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. So um, if you need to know what that is, just Google testicle and so I can know. Fine. <laughs> so no deaths, but uh, like a flesh casserole. Stop. <laughs> Sixteen ladies and thirteen people of color. Pretty good. I probably I know I missed at least a couple of uh, ladies and people of color because during the bar scene there's people coming in and out. Did you get the butterflies? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Next Halloween, guys, all coordinated as candy striper barb wench butterflies. It's the new manic pixie dream girl (laughs) in space. (laughs) 